Our first reading for this afternoon is from the third chapter of 1 Kings. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants." This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, It is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, 
which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? Surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments. What is the fourth commandment? Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents and other authorities, but honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus himself, when he was speaking about the greatest commandments, he referenced basically the first commandment, you shall know the gods, and the second of honoring your neighbor, which really is encapsulated with this fourth one, honoring your father and your mother. Because really, if you think about it, these two commandments, the first and the fourth, are all in alignment that so many other things just fall into place. And also when these are broken, a lot of other sins come along with that. With this fourth one, we can especially think of authorities as our moms and dads, mothers and fathers. But we also have a lot of other authorities in our lives, whether they be governmental or other, other people in other positions that might be above us or in charge of us in, in different 
ways and shapes. And we are called by God himself to honor them, serve and obey them, love and cherish them. Not the easiest of thing to do. Because especially when we see authorities maybe do things that go against God. And then we're called to follow God and not our authorities. Um, and, and as we do all of this, we should always keep in mind that God is the model for all authority in this life. Whether it's for mothers and fathers, they're to model themselves after him. After all, God has called us to call him our father. And even the authorities that we have in this world, whether they be governmental or others, they all receive their authority and their power in this world from God. He's the one who has entrusted it it to them. And that's one of the prayers we pray every week. We pray for our government. It doesn't matter who they are, what party they're from. It doesn't matter. Because all authority in this world, according to Romans, has been given their authority and their power by God, not by their own hands, by God. And I love this one word, and I think we'll talk about it in our Bible study later today, and it's the same word in our prayers, that that authority has been entrusted to them. Entrusted. And that's a beautiful word. It basically means it's been loaned to them, given to them for a time. So, in other words, God has given authority to earthly governments. He's entrusted his authority to them for a time. When Christ returns, all authority and power goes back to him. There will be no other governments, no other authorities, no more moms and dads in their places and their positions that they're in right now. But these, these, this commandment, is so important because, as I said, so many other things fall in line if, these, if this commandment is kept when it comes to authorities. Because the next commandments deal with murder, adultery, stealing, lying. And certainly a good mom and dad would not want their children doing that, right? Same thing with God. Our Heavenly Father does not want us doing those things. And that leads us to Solomon, who prayed for a right prayer today, a prayer for wisdom, uh, quite a sense of humility, recognizing he's a child, taking up his father David's mantle, his kingship. But, as with any child, they can go against their mom or dad's wishes. They can buck those authorities, and that authority ultimately comes from God and even buck God in that regard. Solomon has an interesting story in the Bible. <laughs> he prays for wisdom, which is always seen as a positive, and God blessed him with much more than that. It was wonderful. But there's always been a question mark with Solomon. It said in our Bible passage today that he was offering sacrifices at the high places because a temple hasn't been built in Jerusalem yet. And the high places were pagan places for sacrifice. So the question's always been, why was he sacrificing there? Well, there was no temple built. Okay, couldn't he have built something else, like something temporary? 
or were his sacrifices not to the one true God at these high places? That's why I say there's just a big question mark. A lot of people just don't know. And I certainly don't want to slander King Solomon in, in a sermon. I will just say there's question marks. And I, I think there's always been concern as Solomon got older with the many wives he had and concubines up to 300 that it appears he began to adopt some of their religious practices, possibly. Whether this is 100% true or partially true or just we're off, totally off, doesn't matter. Let's take that as an example for us to recognize the, the fine line that we, we Christians are called to walk and that, that we are to, to live in faith to the one true God all the days of our lives. Because we will inevitably find ourselves in similar situations as Solomon did, where we will be tempted to follow not, not maybe a different deity or worship a different god, but as Luther said, anything can be turned into a god. Absolutely anything. And as I always say to confirmands and anyone, I, I, always, I always like to take a spiritual pulse, I call it. What do you fear most in your life? What do you love most in your life? What do you trust most in your life? What do you spend most of your time doing from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed? That thing, whatever that is, whatever your answer is, it's taking up a lot of your time in your life, a lot of your attention. Dare I say devotion? Has it become a god? Could you live without it? My goodness, social media. Can you turn it off for a day without melting? <laughs> I remember as a child when the electricity went out during a storm and I didn't have TV on a Saturday. I thought the world was going to end you know, if it was out for three or four hours. You know, that's a childish thing, but that TV took an unhealthy place in my life even as a child. Well, we adults also can have unhealthy things that weed themselves into our lives. It's good sometimes to take our pulse, all of us, to pause. And sometimes that's, that's uh, that you have to open your heart a little bit and to be honest with yourself sometimes because we, we don't like to be honest with ourselves all the times, do we? Perhaps the same was going on with Solomon. Some things weeded into his life then before he realized where he was, there he was, in a not great place when it came to God. What is wonderful about Solomon, and we do know without a shadow of a doubt, is God was pleased through Solomon to have his temple built in Jerusalem, a temple that lasted for a thousand years uh, until the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. And um, this temple was the place where God physically came to his people to show mercy to them, to forgive their sins, no matter what those sins could were, were or would be or could be, including Solomon's sins. That is the nature of our God. And some things, by God's grace and mercy, still have not changed. 
in this house of worship, our God still physically comes to us, right? Every time we gather together through word and sacrament, he is here. He comes to you. God, you, you, God just can't get away from you. He wants to be near you so much. And, and what we saw happening in Solomon's temple now 2,000, wait, what year is it? 3,000 years ago. I have to do my math. God is still doing. And that is just the nature of our God. He wants to show mercy and forgiveness and love to us. And we don't see that any greater time than, than when he suffered on a cross for all of our sins and then comes and gives that to us. That's an amazing blessing that I hope we always cherish and always remember what our Heavenly Father has done for us. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.